Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. Today we're going to start to look at jhana factors. Last week we talked about an aspect of samadhi that is often overlooked, but is right there in the early texts. It's ubiquity and the effortless and spontaneous ease with which we enter samadhi without techniques such as concentration on a single object. Samadhi arises when we are engaged in wholehearted practice. We traced its conditionality specifically, the path factor of right proficiency, which almost everyone else calls right mindfulness which combines proficiency or know-how with attentiveness as a kind of art of skillfulness, which then circles around each of the ethics and wisdom path factors to ensure efficacy of practice. As we become proficiently engaged in a particular practice, the mind becomes centered around a single theme, the scope of relevance to the task at hand. This one-centeredness of mind is the defining condition of samadhi. What I am translating as one-centeredness of mind is pali chitasegagata, a pivotal concept in many kinds of meditation practice. Ekaga is commonly translated as one-pointed, eka, one plus agga, point with the presumption that the mind is willfully fixed on a single object and held there, which is generally the principle behind special techniques for entering states of deep absorption in a meditation object. This makes no sense in the present account, because reducing attention to a single point would disrupt the theme and practice task almost every time leaving nothing to be proficient about. The theme needs to be narrow or broad according to the needs of the current practice task. In fact, ekagga does not mean one-pointed. Rather, agga seems to be associated with two semantic clusters. One is a salient feature like a mountain peak, or the finest of delicacies, that easily becomes the center of attention. The other is a meeting place, like a meditation center. One centered, my own translation of ekaga, captures both senses. Eka, one, seems to convey that the mind is not scattered by trying to occupy more than one mountain peak or jump from one meeting place to another. Chittasegakata, one-centeredness of mind, is the condition in which there is a single, well-defined theme or scope of relevance. Anything outside of that theme is a distraction.
the one-centered mind in terms of skilled performance of Buddhist practice is optimally limited by what is relevant to the performance of that task, but must be as broad or narrow as necessary. It's easy to appreciate that there is a natural transition from proficiency, attentiveness, or right proficiency, to centeredness of mind, and that it has to do with the scope of relevance determined by the practice task. With the arising of samadhi, the theme of proficiency attentiveness becomes the theme of samadhi, samadhi nimitta. This is necessary if samadhi is to fulfill its function, which is, as we will see, basically to kick proficiency in task performance into high gear. This explains the following. One-centeredness of the mind is samadhi. The four satipatthanas are the themes of samadhi. The four right efforts are the prerequisites for samadhi. The pursuit, development, and cultivation of these very same things is the development of samadhi. This is the awakened Nandamadina speaking. I conclude that in the Nikaya, samadhi cannot be one-pointed. Such samadhi would not arise naturally and spontaneously. Moreover, continued engagement with the current theme is, as we will see, necessary to produce the fruits attributed to samadhi. What is unique about the jhana that the Buddha discovered seems to be that it is one-centered rather than one-pointed, that there is no specific technique for attaining it, and also that it does not produce deep immersion in an object of meditation. I have claimed that there is no technique specifically for attaining samadhi that it arises naturally dependent on conditions. This is not to say that it cannot be pursued, developed, and cultivated. This is accomplished by controlling its conditions, for sometimes it is desirable to enter samadhi in pursuit of its fruits. And if we habituate the entrance into samadhi or higher jhanas, this will enable us routinely and more quickly to enter them as an inclination of mind. For instance, in practicing satipatthana, we are told we can develop samadhi naturally undirected. But while he is contemplating the body in the body, there arises in him, based on the body, either a fever in the body or sluggishness of mind, or the mind is distracted outwardly. That bhikkhu should then direct his mind towards some inspiring theme. It is in such a way, Ananda, that there is development by direction. He chooses a theme conducive to samadhi temporarily, then returns to his bodily theme. With familiarity, we will find that we, as in all things, learn to control subtle conditions intuitively much as a child learns but cannot explain how to swing higher in a playground. 
we will find that we can move from one jhana to the next simply by wishing it. Entering the jhanas With the application of proficiency attentiveness, delight and tranquility arise. When the mind has centered and stabilized around the relevant theme, samadhi springs up. Samadhi itself develops through four stages towards greater stillness of mind. From the first jhana, the second jhana unfolds, and so on. At each stage, as the currently most energetic mental or bodily quality of the previous stage comes to rest. The Buddha took great care to define what mental qualities are present and what are absent in each of the jhanas. He must have felt that it's important for us to be able to navigate them. The first jhana. The first jhana is the unhindered mind. This is a standard description. Here, quite separated from sensual pleasures, separated from unwholesome states, a bhikkhu enters upon and abides in the first jhana, which is accompanied by thought and deliberation with joy and pleasure born of separation. The description of each jhana lists a number of jhana factors. Being separated, we vicca, from sensual pleasures and unwholesome states, is certainly highlighted here as the definitive factor in the first jhana. Separation is elsewhere regarded as equivalent to the elimination of the five hindrances, niwarana, and to the full fulfillment of having put away covetousness and grief for the world. In the description of the Satipatthana method, an unhindered mind seems to suffice for entrance into the first jhana, as born of separation confirms. However, notice that neither one-centeredness nor the equivalent unification is listed as a jhana factor. This has led some to claim that at this point samadhi has not yet arisen, although an alternative description adds one-centeredness to the first jhana. This is relatively rare. Friend, in the first jhana, five factors are abandoned and five factors are possessed. Here, when a bhikkhu has entered upon the first jhana, Sensual desire is abandoned, ill will is abandoned, sloth and torpor are abandoned, restlessness and remorse are abandoned, and doubt is abandoned. And there occur thought, deliberation, delight, pleasure, and one-centeredness of mind. This is how in the first jhana, five factors are abandoned, and five factors are possessed. Here the hindrances are also explicitly listed, but there is no reason that the mind must become one-centered as soon as it becomes unhindered. In fact, practice experience suggests that even without unwholesome intentions, the mind might jump for a time from one theme to another, I would suggest that the onset of samadhi 
as one-centeredness is actually within the first jhana, not necessarily at its onset. This also explains why, in the description a bit later, the second jhana is born of samadhi, implying a previous state of samadhi before entering the second jhana. Returning to the first description of the first jhana, joy, piti, and pleasure, sukha, had already been acquired as antecedent states, and thought and deliberation are virtually always present in ordinary cognition as the persistent voice in our head. Nonetheless, the presence of thought and deliberation, vitaka vichara, is particularly important to highlight here. First, it indicates that there is little or no restriction in cognitive capacity in the first jhana. Second, its abandonment in the following jhana indicates a significantly quieter cognitive mode. Together, thought and deliberation constitute discursive thinking. Thought and deliberation are the verbal fabrication one breaks into speech. This is not to say that the mind is free to wander into choosing a color for that new addition, plotting revenge, or worrying about paying off our credit cards. The separation or unhinderedness of the first jhana constrains the mind from wandering that far. Nonetheless, attention must often be very broad even as one-centeredness arises as it must in the famous simile of the man carrying oil past the most beautiful girl in the land. Likewise, when we're engaged in the wholesome task of cooking a meal, the theme is limited to what is happening on the cutting board or alternatively to coordinating and planning the various things happening at the same time on stove, bowl, and sink. In either case, discursive thinking might be apt, but not listening to music or worrying about our upcoming job interview. Second jhana. The second jhana arises wherever discursive thinking is put to rest in favor of some quieter mode of cognition. With the stilling of thought and deliberation, he enters upon and abides in the second jhana, which has tranquility and unification, that is, one-centeredness, of mind, without thought and deliberation, with delight and pleasure, born of samadhi. Thought and deliberation disappear altogether, but delight and pleasure remain. The Buddha accordingly calls the second jhana noble silence. And that silence continues in the third and fourth jhanas as well. This is a temporary disappearance of normal discursive or narrative thinking. In early Buddhism, the world as we experience it arises from mind. So a mind without thought and deliberation must produce a distinct sense of reality. 
minimally, we expect our narratives about things to fall away. It has been suggested that subject and object can no longer be distinguished past the first jhana. The movement from the first to the second jhana, therefore, in itself reveals the nature, not only of thinking, but of the fabrication of the world as well. This does not, however, entail that cognition ceases altogether, for there are more subtle forms of cognition than thought and deliberation. In fact, we find that the Buddha praises Sariputta for his talents for tracking dhammas in all jhanas. Whatever qualities there are in the first jhana, he ferrets them out one by one. Known to him they remain, known to him they subside. This passage is repeated as for the first jhana, also for the second, third, and fourth. Some level of recognition reaches awareness in all of the jhanas. The question is, how quiet is noble silence? There are many modes of cognition that are whisper quiet. Pondering may be ponderous, but perception is achieved quite imperceptibly. Many cognitive processes are altogether unconscious. Sariputta seems to exhibit perception at a minimum. I will call modes of cognition more subtle than thought and deliberation enough to survive in the silence of the second jhana, quiet cognition. Prominent within quiet cognition is perception, which seems to arise spontaneously with no subjective effort whatever. Conditioned by familiarity, perception produces results of great conceptual complexity seemingly automatically and instantaneously. For instance, in recognizing faces and other multifaceted objects from different directions and under different lighting conditions. Moreover, even profound insights famously occur under the radar until they suddenly burst forth in a dream or while taking a shower. Next week, we'll learn more about quiet cognition in the higher jhanas. To learn more about the Rethinking the Satipatthana Project, please go to sirigu.org slash chintita. That is S-I-T-A-G-U dot org C-I-N-T-I-T-A.